स्पाइस रेडियो और रेडियो रंजन सुन रहे हैं हम गपशप का प्रोग्राम है हमारी घड़ियों में बाद दोपहर के दो बजकर चार मिनट हुआ चाहते हैं अब से लेकर तीन बजे तक आपको और हमारा साथ रहेगा हमारे आज के इस कार्यक्रम में जिसका नाम बड़े प्यार से हमने गपशप रखा है क्योंकि इसमें वो सभी बातें जो आज आपकी नज़रों में अटकेंगी खटकेंगी और दिल में समाएंगी उन सबको लेकर हम हाजिर हैं ये बताते हुए कि आखिर बरसात के बाद बर्फ की बारी आ ही गई है जी हाँ इन्वायरमेंट कैनेडा ने अनाउंस कर दिया है कि आपके लिए ढेर सारी बर्फबारी होने वाली है चार बजे के बाद जैसे ही लोग अपनी गाड़ियों में बैठ के घर जाने की कोशिश करेंगे हल्की हल्की बरसात के बदले हल्की हल्की आपके लिए बर्फ़ पड़नी शुरू हो जाएगी एक्चुअली इफ़ यू लुक एट आउटसाइड आर स्टूडियोज़ हल्की हल्की बर्फ़ पड़नी तो शुरू हो ही गई है लेकिन भारी भरकम जो बर्फ़ है उसके पड़ने के मुकाम आई थिंक आफ्टर डिनर होंगे So we'll have lot of snow after dinner. Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, like when I was coming to work today this morning, um, I could feel like a little bit of snow. Like yes. it, it was landing because I didn't bring an umbrella or anything, so I didn't wear a hood or anything. So it was just landing on my hair. So there was like white snow all over my hair. <laughs> <laughs> but very little. Yeah, very little. But it'll get more, way it's more. It's very cold outside. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like last night, I made the mistake of not wearing enough layers. Yes. I'm not layer shirt. So this morning when I woke up, I f- I felt like a little bit of a cold. It's not too oh, serious. It's okay. okay. It's not too serious, but it's like a little just cold. a little unwell. A little unwell, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, people forget that uh, you know when we do get the cold mm-hmm. spell, it is very cold. It comes all the way yeah. from the Arctic. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So like the Arctic or the, the Arctic wind comes yes. down to Vancouver. All wow. the Arctic winds come down to. Canada, oh. and then we push it down to the states. Wow, I didn't know There that. There was a year, uh, Richard. I don't know. You must have been a very little tyke <laughs> at that time, when there was so much cold air coming that it all it went all the way up to Florida. Wow, Florida. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Can you believe that? <laughs> people were people were just cursing Canadians to no oh. end. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, as a certain former president said, we are, you know, snow Mexicans. That's right. <laughs> a certain former American president, a certain man there, he called us snow Mexicans. Oh, so. he, he was he was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, but I have a little bit of a I have a wholesome story here. Okay. So okay. All right. Basically, you know those TransLink buses. Every year in Chris in December specifically, they put those red reindeer noses That's in front of the right. bus. That's right. I saw those so cute cool, ones right? today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it actually started just today. Yes. And they said it's not. Just to spread like the holiday spirit or anything. It's also you can donate like toys or or you can like wrap gifts to give oh. to people that need them. Oh. And yeah, it's an initiative. It's kind of just there to remind people. You can go to like a TransLink headquarters or maybe just near like a a big station. You can donate toys and stuff. That's beautiful. I mean, at this time of the year when there are a lot of uh, families that are feeling the pinch because mm-hmm. they don't have enough money. Yeah. Um. Yeah. One does feel that you know. One has to be more giving. Mm, yeah, yeah, and also I feel like I feel like that that well, there's just one concern I have about the reindeer nose in the front is because you know how usually people put their bicycles in the front of the bus. Oh, they can do so that. Where are they going to put bicycles? At the back, I guess. At the, maybe, maybe. <laughs> A friend of mine was joking they should put it at the top of the bus. Oh, like, uh, okay. <laughs> Long time ago, when they did not have all that, mm-hmm. people were not biking. Mm. That much, right? Yeah. And the minute they started putting those racks, you know, biking became such a rage. 
Yeah, with exactly. a lot of young people. Yeah, I remember my first time trying to bike. I think I fell and I scraped my knee and like my my alleyway. But then after a while, I started biking every day to school, and I I lost a lot of weight in the biking because I I just stopped taking the bus. I only biked.、Oh. But then recently, I I kind of stopped biking. So it might probably... not be a bad idea to、yeah. start it in the springtime. I guess maybe yeah, not yeah. now, not no, now. Oh, oh. No. Definitely not now.、Uh, and and with all that cold air, no,、yeah. uh, definitely not. <laughs> Apart from that,、mm-hmm. um, the city um, th- there was news about、um, Surrey and the RCMP Surrey、mm-hmm. oh. and、um, RCMP asking the Surrey police to join them、oh, because、okay. they want to have one hundred and sixty-one more police officers、oh. with、uh, with RCMP Surrey. Okay, but Surrey police doesn't want to join them. Oh, so that that issue is going to continue going, and now Linda Ennis wants a a independent、uh, person to look into the whole issue. Oh, interesting.、Yeah. So they want the Surrey RCMP to kind of join them, and like、That's、they、right. can like do like a doesn't that make sense、yeah. though. Yeah, that, that does make sense, but I don't know why they wouldn't. You know, why would they wouldn't want to join? I I think there there are a lot of egos that are involved yeah, in all this. I think there's nothing else but egos. Yeah. And、uh, so yeah,、Ooh. because we lost, we're not going to join you. Oh, you know, that kind of a deal. Yeah, that sounds a lot like politics. You know,、That's、a lot、right. of politics in the Canadian Canadian politics that kind of works like that too、yeah. a little bit. Like、we lost. We don't want to join your. your no. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, I have I have this really nice、uh, story about a dog in Australia. Yes. Who is hired as a court,、uh, a court dog, like a a dog that's there to like comfort people in court. Like you know how in hospitals they have dogs to like、yeah. like give you make you relax and stuff. Yeah. So they have one in court too. No、like. kidding. <laughs> and what is? <laughs> A court how, court dog, yeah. How does this court dog comfort people? People who've committed a crime or people who have been、Ooh. wrongly accused? Honestly, I don't think they discriminate at all. I think it's anybody in court that that can um they can use the court dog. And there's just one specific court dog named Lucy.、Uh-huh. She's a chocolate Labrador. Okay. And she she has her own Instagram page actually. It's at Court Dog Lucy. <laughs> It's Court Dog Lucy is her Instagram page. You want to check it out? You can do check it out. All right, Court Dog <laughs> Lucy. Yeah. L U C Y. Yeah. Okay. And she kind of just hangs out in court, and not really a specific、uh, side of the court, just a- anywhere, anywhere, anywhere that that you know feels a little stressed or needs a little relief can use the court dog, and maybe just like you know. You know, I I don't know how you feel about that. This is an interesting story,、mm-hmm. but I've never felt. Um, that close to、uh, pets. Really. So I am not a pet person. I, I see. So I would not feel, you know, comforted by hugging a cat or a dog <laughs> or a ferret. That's for、okay. that matter. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> We all have our different tastes. Yes. Like I think because my mom's side of the family, they all really love pets. I think everyone on my mom's side, on my mom's side, has like two or three pets. No kidding. So every time I go visit them,、yes. I'm like bombarded by cats, dogs, parrots,、Everything. like rabbits. Oh, so many pets. <laughs> At first, it's really fun, and you know,、yes. but then after a while, you know, it starts to get a little bit, you know, a little bit loud. Really? Okay. <laughs> like, so, well, so do you have a pet? No, I don't. No, I don't have a pet.、Mm. Oh well, you know, I I don't think I would do good with pets. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so today's program is quite interesting.、Mm. Um, I,、um, as you know, that、uh, Canada has declared、uh, November as a、uh, heritage Hindu、oh, heritage month. Really? Oh.、Wow. And、uh, there was a function that took place on the twenty fifth of November, and uh, 
Kamal, who comes into the program, mm-hmm. he and some of his friends organized this show. And there was a young woman that I met there who was fantastic. Oh. She spoke about um, Hindu culture, mm-hmm. Hindu um, uh, literature, Hindu philosophy. Oh, wow. And um, 14-year-old, wow. and she spoke for 10 minutes Four. without um and oohs and ahs. What? 14 years old? Yeah. <laughs> I was blown away by her. Wow. She has a future in like public speaking. She certainly. And then I found out that she went to the, um, you know, the BC legislature. Uh And uh, when it was declared that this is going to be, November is going to be a Hindu month. Mm -hmm. um, The introduction to her was, here we have our, here we have our past Premier mm-hmm. Horgan. Okay. Our current premier, David D. V. Yep. And our future premier. Oh whoa. <laughs> that <laughs> I is, thought that was so cute. That is so awesome. So we oh. have the opportunity of interviewing her today. Her oh, name is wow. Pratyaksha. Okay. And uh, we'll do an interview with her and then after that, you know that I've recently had uh, my knee surgery. Uh-huh. And uh, my knee surgery has been pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And I uh, my doctor, Dr. Arno Smith, yeah. I asked him to talk about, you know, all the other surgeries, like, oh. you know, knee, shoulder, yeah. hip. Shoulder. So yeah. we've got a fantastic interview. Those of you who are thinking of getting knee surgery done, you must listen to this program. This mm-hmm. is very, very important. Indeed. So let's take a short break and then meet Pratyaksha. Okay. You know that Canada has November हिंदू हेरिटेज मंथ का नाम दिया है और इसका पहला और इसका पहला एक कार्यक्रम कमल जी द्वारा स्थापित किया गया पिछले शुक्रवार को हम भी उस फंक्शन में गए हुए थे न्योताया हुआ था और मुझे मिलने का मौका मिला एक बहुत ही प्यारी सी बच्ची और उसकी मां के साथ हिंदू हेरिटेज मंथ के बारे में जिस सफाई और खूबसूरती के साथ उसने बात की दिल को छू लेने वाली थी आइए उससे आपकी मुलाकात करवाएं हमारे प्रोग्राम में आपका बहुत-बहुत स्वागत है कैसी हैं आप प्रत्याक्षा मैं बहुत अच्छी आप कैसी हैं आपकी दुआ है जी व्हाट अ लवली यंग वुमन यू आर मैंने आपको फ्राइडे वाले दिन इस महोत्सव में सुना जबकि आप कनाडा द्वारा ये जो पूरा नवंबर का महीना है इसे हिंदू हेरिटेज मंथ डिक्लेअर किया गया है और उसकी जो पहली एक कोई सभा तैयार की गई वैंकूवर में उसमें आपने भी हिस्सा लिया और जब आप बोल रही थी तो लोग मंत्र मुग्ध होकर आपको सुन रहे थे डू यू नो यू हैव दैट काइंड ऑफ एन इफेक्ट ऑन पीपल आई थिंक मेरे इफेक्ट से ज्यादा आई थिंक द टॉपिक वाज बिकॉज़ इट वाज हिंदू हेरिटेज मंथ एंड इट वाज अबाउट सेलिब्रेटिंग आवर पास्ट आई थिंक इसीलिए लोग सुन रहे थे बिकॉज़ इट वाज समथिंग वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट एंड वेरी क्लोज टू आवर हार्ट सो यू आर हिंदू बाय बर्थ Are you a Hindu by profession as well or by your karam as well? Yes. Okay. I'm studying the Bhagavad Gita now. I have three books. And I always teach my mom to teach my Sanskrit people or Ramayana. They do very well. Someone has said that if anyone from the community उनकी पहचान छीन लेनी है तो उनकी भाषा उनसे ले लो 
तो जब हमारे पास हमारी भाषा है हमारी संस्कृति है तो हमसे कोई अपनी हमारी अपनी पहचान छीन नहीं सकता हाँ बिल्कुल सही क्योंकि हमारी भाषा की वो चाबी है कि हम अपना अपने हेरिटेज को समझ पाए अपने पास्ट को समझ पाए अपने ट्रेडिशंस को समझ पाए मैं हमारे सुनने वालों को बताना चाहती हूँ कि आप उम्र में बहुत कम है क्या है आपकी उम्र मैं भी चौदह साल की हूँ सिर्फ चौदह साल की और दस पंद्रह मिनट के लिए जो आप बोली उसमें आपने एक बार भी आ नहीं किया और एक ही एक ही गति के साथ और एक ही सेंटिमेंट के साथ आप बोलती रही मैं चाहूँगी कि अगर आपको वो स्पीच याद हो तो हमारे सुनने वालों के साथ शेयर करेंगे आप जरूर तो गो हैड स्टार्ट विद डैट थैंक यू मैं अखिल विश्व का गुरु महान देवता विद्या का अमरदान मैंने दिखलाया मुक्ति मार्ग मैंने सिखलाया ब्रह्म ज्ञान मेरे वेदों का ज्ञान अमर मेरे वेदों की ज्योति प्रखर मानस के मन का अंधकार क्या कभी सामने सक सका शहर मेरे स्वर्णभ में गहर गहर सागर के जल में चहर चहर उस कोने से उस कोने तक कर सकता जगती सारभ में हिंदू सन्मन हिंदू जीवन रग रग हिंदू मेरा आज की अटल बिहारी वाजपेयी जी की आदर्शी पंक्तियों द्वारा अपना परिचय देने में मुझे अत्यंत गौरव का आभास रहा है आई एम प्रत्यक्ष अवस्थी अखनीरियन हिंदू November 2022 saw historic beginning of Canada's National Hindu Heritage Month when Sri Chandra Aditi raised the flag with our sacred symbol Om on it on Parliament Hill. This recognized the contributions of 830,000 Hindu Canadians to our country and of Hindu heritage to the world. But what exactly does having a heritage month mean? Heritage Month celebrations are important in providing the space to teach and learn about cultural history, tradition, and significance, and also examine the way in which these cultures are viewed within Canada. This Heritage Month is a celebration and acknowledgement of the significant contributions of the country's Hindu community in many different aspects of life. It is an opportunity to remember, celebrate, and educate future generations not just about Hindu Canadians and the important role they have played in communities but to also educate people like me to take pride in our cultural heritage a heritage that considers the world as one family and the culture that believes in the well-being of every living being Max Muller the German philologist has rightly stated Whatever sphere of the human mind you may select for a special study, whether it be language or religion or mythology or philosophy, whether it be laws or customs, primitive art or primitive science, everywhere you have to go to India, whether you like it or not, because some of the most valuable and most instructive materials in the history of man are treasured up in India and in India only. And he was right. Way back in 800 BC, Bodhayan stated this in his Shodhpur. 
which means a rope stretched along the length of the, di- of the diagonal of a triangle produces a square, the area of, the tra- of which is equal to the vertical and horizontal size squares when they're combined together. Again, this was stated way back in 800 BC by Bob Hines. And it might be familiar to you because today, this is known as the Pythagorean theorem, even though by Bodhayan stated it 300 years before Pythagoras was even born. It's important to note that this was stated in his Shul Sutra, which were the Vedic rules for the construction of all things, and that the Pythagorean theorem was just one of the geometrical rules explained therein among many. While all of this is very interesting, I don't personally relate to it. I'm more of a biology person, my favorite field of study being cardiology. So imagine my surprise when I discovered that the word heart itself took its root from the Sanskrit word hride. The word hride was derived from three verbs as for Chattasrahman and Brihadaranya. Tu for harati or to take away from, the for dadati or to give or to donate, and ya for either yagati to control to control through self-generated rhythmicity, or yama, which means maintaining balance for contraction and relaxation to circulate, or systole and diastole. The word rhythm itself was a comprehensive physiological expression explaining the function of the heart. We have so much buried in our ancient roots, and she mentally turned up meant every word when he said about Paris, I'm definitely too young to even fathom how deep and advanced our knowledge system was. But I definitely echo the words of Swami Vivekananda that I am proud to belong to a religion which has taught the world both tolerance and universal acceptance. We believe not only in universal toleration, but we accept all religions as true and so treat every person as equal. This month is a time to come together as a community and be proud of our heritage and past. Thus, I conclude again with the famous lines of Sri Agni Vihari
I try to find facts that are not that well known and facts that can like be proven with like factual evidence. So for the Shulp Sutra, it's a it's a little bit known, but it's not that well known. And for the second one about Shridai and the way it was derived, there was actually a research article published about ancient medical systems, and so I got that from there. Now, Pratiksha, your parents are um, very. मैं हिंदी में भी कहूँगी अंग्रेजी में भी कहूँगी दे आर वेरी कीन के आप अपनी भाषा को अपनी संस्कृति को संभाले रखें यू वो यू बॉर्न इन इंडिया वो यू बॉर्न इन दुबई आई वाज बॉर्न इन दुबई मैं वहीं पे रही थी जब तक मैं आठ साल की थी अच्छा और उसके बाद फिर कनाडा आप आ गए हाँ तो कैनेडा में अभी आपको कुछ ही साल हुए हैं चार साल हुए छः साल सो आपने अभी अपनी स्पीच में कहा कि यू नो बायोलॉजी एंड कार्डियोलॉजी इज समथिंग दैट इज वेरी क्लोज टू योर हार्ट और इज दैट व्हाट यू वांट टू बी अ डॉक्टर जी व्हेन आई आई ग्रो अप वांट And I also find that topic so interesting. It's very interesting to me. I spend some of my free time even searching up things about that, and like, yeah, just biology in general. Now, when you were introduced in the parliament uh, buildings, uh, our, our, our province's uh, legislature, um, the introduction was: we have our past premier, our current premier, and our future premier. How did you feel about that? Mm-hmm. I felt very empowered and very uh, humbled by the presence of the seniors there. I definitely want to keep helping out the community in whatever way I can, and I don't think I'll pursue a career specifically in that. But I will definitely take out time throughout my life to support the community. Now, community also means being very active politically. How does politics? How do you feel about politics? I think we should talk about it. And school and educate people like me because personally I'm not too familiar with it, but I think it is an important topic that should be taught in <laughs> schools and it's taught to children like me because I am not that familiar with it. <laughs> I just love your answer. I think that's beautiful. Pratiksha, ये बताइए कि heart surgeon बनने के बाद भी क्या आप अपनी इस जिज्ञासा को जारी रखेंगी और भारत के बारे में और इसकी संस्कृति के बारे में इसके पूरे ज्ञान के बारे में जो कि काफ़ी जगहों पे लुप्त हो चुका है उसके बारे में भी आप जानकारी लेती रहेंगी जी बिल्कुल आई थिंक इट इज़ वेरी इम्पॉर्टेंट दैट आर जनरेशन टेक एंड टेक इंटरेस्ट एंड टेक इनिशिएटिव टू लर्न अबाउट आर हेरिटेज बिकॉज अदरवाइज इट विल बी लॉस्ट एंड लाइक नॉलेज और वो मैं हमेशा ये महसूस करती हूँ कि वो इतना गोरा बनना चाहते हैं रॉन्ग वर्ड आई शुडेंट बी सेती हूँ कि Uh, मेरी पैदाइश uh, भारत में नहीं हुई तीन जनरेशन से भारत से बाहर हूँ मेरा अपने 
जो हमारा इतिहास है जो हमारी धरोहर है हमारा जो जो संस्कृति है उस पर इतना मेरे मुझे लगाव है और मैं अपने आप को यू नो जितना भी इंडियन कह सकूँ इतना कहना चाहती हूँ लेकिन आजकल की पीढ़ी के लोग अपने आप को इंडियन कहना पसंद नहीं करते ख़ासतौर पर मैं मैं बॉलीवुड की तरफ देख रही हूँ एंड एंड डू यू फील दैट इज़ वेल I think that that is true. That many of the current generation, my generation, doesn't think, doesn't want to be associated with being Hindu, and I think that's partly because of how the media portrays being any specific like Hindu or Indian. That it's not portrayed as something that's desirable. It's portrayed as like an uncool, like the Indian person is like the outcast, and I think that's not right. And I think we should like. हमको दिखाना चाहिए कि इट्स इम्पोर्टेंट लेकिन जब भी वो कोई बात लेके आते हैं भारत के बारे में तो वो जात पात की बात लेके आते हैं और उस जात पात को समझाने की कोई कोशिश नहीं करता कि इट इज़ नॉट बाय बर्थ दैट यू आर ए ब्राह्मण और क्षत्रिय और शूद्र और वैश्य यू आर बाई योर कर्म सो ये कर्मों पर आधारित संस्कृति है न कि जन्म आधारित बिल्कुल धन्यवाद करना चाहती हूँ कि आपने अपने बड़े ही बिजी वक्त में से क्योंकि आप पढ़ाई कर रही हैं आपने हमें इंटरव्यू दिया है उसके लिए धन्यवाद और आपकी माँ के चरणों में कोटि कोटि प्रणाम क्योंकि उन्होंने इतनी खूबसूरत और इतनी समझदार बेटी को जन्म दिया है orthopedic surgeon you look after knees you look after uh, hips and shoulders which is the most difficult surgery to do all of these body parts have their own different intricacies and it all depends on how much time you spend on those so i don't think there is a good answer to this the hardest thing is to know when to do the operate what op- when to do an operation at the right time in the right way for the right person kind of in the and that is the really the, the crux of the matter the mm. technical aspect of the surgical procedures they're all so much similar and some of us spend time learning very intricate surgeries about a certain body part others are more focused on another one so we we hand things off to each other as well so if there is something that comes along that is slightly out of what i do most of the time i may ask one of my colleagues who just needs to do things more frequently right. and that's kind of and that's kind of how we make sure that we don't get into situations where things are so difficult that you start to worry about the outcome so dr smith let me just then ask you uh, a question about the weather right now the weather is going to get colder do the joints uh, of a, a body if is is it affected by the temperature outside or does it also depend on individuals okay now that is a true lighthearted question <laughs> and uh, but i don't 
I will take it somewhat seriously because, you know, I've been doing this work for some time. I've also been living for a while. And, and just as you, you know as well as I do, that when the weather changes, particularly if it gets colder or when the rain comes, which means that the barometric pressure goes down, many, many people find that aches and pains in the muscles and joints and, and become worse. And we've known that for a long time. Conversely, people who go in the wintertime and seek some warmer climate to, to, to spend the winter, they report they are feeling better. Mm. So it's a, real, it's a real thing. What is much more difficult in my mind, I am not aware of any good explanation. I'm not aware of any temperature kind of receptors in a joint or pressure receptors that can explain in a neat and tidy manner how this all comes about. But the change in weather, and especially from warm to cold and from you know high, high pressure to low pressure, I'm certain that it, it affects for many people how they feel. So it's a real thing, but I don't have a good explanation for it. <laughs> but you gave a very good answer, Dr. Smith. I was in the hospital with a gentleman who had had hip surgery. And uh, he was an older gentleman and he had fallen a couple of times. Now, I do understand that hip surgeries usually are for older people because uh, if they have a fall or if they have dementia and they forget to walk with their walker, there is a possibility they would fall and then break their hip. How, how many times, is that, a, is that a reoccurring problem in our community? Yeah, so the, the issue of falls and, and leading to broken bones is a very serious one. And as we, so first of all, the younger age group sometimes have falls because they seek activities that are risky, mm. uh, fast skiing or snowboarding or mountain biking or, or all kinds of things. Then there are, of course, a whole bunch of people who end up with falls in industrial settings, at work in work settings where they fall from a height. And in younger people, you have to have a really good fall before things break. As we get a little bit older, the, the bones are not as, as strong anymore. So then all of a sudden, falls that in the past you would have just shrugged off as just an unfortunate trip and fall at home may all of a sudden become a real big deal because the shoulder breaks or the hip breaks or the, the wrist breaks or there's a, a spine problem. And part of that has to do with normal aging where the skeleton becomes a little less resilient and a little less strong. And then at the extreme of that, we have the situation where we call it osteoporosis, where the bone becomes much more fragile and much more, uh, much more vulnerable to injury than in the majority of people as they are aging. So there's certainly a recurrent problem. Now, there's some good things to say about it as well. A few years ago, let's say 20 years ago, it was a very daunting prospect. It looked like there was going to be, I'll use the word tsunami, of hip fractures coming our way as a society hmm. because of the, of, the, of the expected aging of the population. But actually, it, that didn't actually quite transpire. And what happened is, yes, the number of hip fractures is, is still high, but it hasn't risen in proportion to the number of new seniors, let's say. And so relatively speaking, be having less hip fractures to deal with than 20 years ago. 
And why that is, nobody knows for certain. It may have to do with better attention and earlier attention to overall bone health. So the people who treat osteoporosis uh, you know, deserve credit for all of this. It may also be that there is a cohort of seniors coming through now that have had better nutrition in their earlier years. There's all, there may be more awareness in general. It, it's really hard to pinpoint what exactly uh, underlies it, but this is a trend that has been observed in many places, not just in BC. And, and I think it's a real thing. And it means that some things have changed for the good, and we don't see as many people as a proportion of the overall population with broken hips or broken shoulders, but particularly hips. Especially hips, because I do see that happening with older people, and especially with dementia and all that. But in our community, and I'll, I'll bring the topic down to the South Asian community, majority of the issues are with knees. And I think knees, and you and I talked about this earlier, we put all our weight on our knees. So if a person is slightly heavier and is not very mobile, um, there are a a better chance of them having knee problems than a person who is slightly skinnier and is more mobile. Am I correct in thinking that? That is correct. So, But there's two different things we're talking about. Right. So the issue of osteoarthritis, the wear and tear of the joints, there's many, many points that, that suggest that if you're too heavy for the design of your own body, likely the body will wear out sooner. And that stands to reason. Mm. The falling, there's a little bit of a paradox there, because people who are a little bit heavier, especially on, for women, they may have a slightly better quality of bone because the, the, the fat tissue makes hormones that may preserve some of the bone strength. But more importantly, when they do fall, they have a bit of a shock absorber and they don't land as hard on the bone. So the people who get hip fractures, the, one that the, 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 the first part of our conversation was about that. Hmm. The very people who fall, they have a higher risk that if they do fall, that they break something. It's higher than for them than for individuals who maybe carry a little extra weight. When they trip and fall, the risk of the bone breaking is slightly lower. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody should aim to carry a little extra weight and not to <laughs> But... One of the things that sometimes is a bit surprising when you look at how, how things play out in the end. Now, uh, two things that come out of this conversation. One is the the seniors and the other one is, you know, I, I like the, the fact that if you're a little chubbier and you fall down, there is a possibility you might hurt yourself a little bit, but not really break your bone. Uh, in, the, in the South Asian community, Apart from the knee, I have seen a lot of frozen shoulders. What is the cause of frozen shoulder? Uh -huh. So frozen shoulder is a very interesting problem. It's, a common, it's commonly seen. It's a very painful condition where the shoulder doesn't want to move. We call it it's frozen in the socket, so to speak. Very, very painful. For some reason, the body... The immune system in the body turns on the shoulder and deposits, we call it immune complexes, but you can think of it as a, as a scar tissue in the shoulder for no particularly well understood reason. People who have diabetes 
have a higher risk of that developing. And of course, I shouldn't say of course, it's my impression that in the East Indian community, there is a fairly high incidence of diabetes. Mm -hmm. And some of your doctors in Syria have become very good experts and advocates on that part. And I think that explains why we do see now a fair number of people who uh, are of East Indian descent who come in with frozen shoulders. It's a very difficult problem to treat. The normal way it will go is it stays really painful for six to nine months. There's not much you can do. Physiotherapy doesn't help. You have to just wait it out. And then after somewhere between six and nine months, it gets better on its own. And we call that the thawing phase. First, the pain becomes less, and then the shoulder starts to loosen up. And by about a year to 18 months, 90 to 95% of people have more or less a normal shoulder again. Sometimes you don't get all the motion back, uh, but most of the time you do. The treatment for that can only be aimed at, in my mind, to at pain. So, <clears throat> so we do cortisone injections or injections that aim at, uh, to, to block a nerve. And, of course, those injections just help with pain, and they may have to be repeated. It's just to get people through this very difficult phase when it's very sore. And if you have had one, it's not uncommon a few years later, I get a call or I get a referral from the doctor to have a look at the other shoulder because something similar is happening on the other side. So it's a common enough problem. It's just one of the disorders of the shoulder that cause pain and inability to move, but it's one of the very difficult ones to treat with a, with a view of getting improvement in the short term. Basically, you have to sit it out and just focus on management of pain. Dr. Smith, my final question to you is regarding uh, knee surgery. Um, when one goes for a knee surgery, prior to going for knee surgery, um, you have all, always recommended that to do the knee surgery, it is the last thing to do. Prior to that, there are other um, treatments that you recommend, like getting an injection, either cortisone or um, or there's another one. I think it's called putting the gel in there or whatever it's yeah. called, right? So when do you decide that it is now, nothing is going to help, you have to do uh, knee surgery, and once you do knee surgery, how long does that last? Yeah, so that's a good good question. So when we talk about arthritis of the knee, when the knee is starting to wear out, it's a gradual process. And you may say, well, when it's clear it's not working, just put a new knee in and you're done with it. Well, it would be fine if the new knee would always work properly and without any problems. Mm. That is not so, by and large, if you get a new knee replacement in Canada, about 90% of people find that it was a really good operation and they're very satisfied that it was done. But about 10% of people are, it's only so-so. And nobody can predict ahead of time who will be in what group. And to me, it's not really a miracle. If you think about it, we weren't really designed to have a metal and plastic knee in our body. So the fact that 90% of people do well with this it's really a miracle in and of itself. And the fact that 10% of people have some trouble with it, I think is not unexpected. If you take a step back and see really what we are doing. Now that 10% of people that is having some trouble, most of them with some patience and persistence, they can be made to at least accept their knee 
and some of them are still pretty happy with it after all. But if you know that that's the situation, then I think you should only have that operation done when you have no other choice. So that's why we focus on making people do with their own knee for as long as possible, but it has to be to their satisfaction. So, so we do things like, as you suggested, injections. There's a variety of injections. The most commonly used are cortisone to reduce inflammation and pain in the short term. And then there's other injections that are called hyaluronic acid. I sometimes describe it as a, as a lubricant for the knee that tend to give improvement in pain for about 8 to 12 months. Those are the standard injections. There is a little bit of a suggestion now that if one receives these lubricant injections on a regular basis, maybe once a year, that for some people the arthritis really stabilizes and it doesn't progress at the rate that you would have expected. So that's a relatively new insight. Maybe that's been recognized in the last two or three years. And that's another reason to maybe lower the threshold for these injections a little bit and do them a little bit more freely. There is also an interest in trying to regenerate some of the worn tissues in the knee. That process has not really delivered yet as much as we had expected a few years ago. And I'm talking about stem cell type of treatment, about platelet-rich plasma type of treatment. We do use it, but there's very specific situations where we use it. And I think in order to have some success, one has to be very critical in whom and on what circumstances these treatments are used. These injections in and of themselves are not truly meant as a treatment in my mind. They are meant to facilitate individuals, individual patients, to carry on better lives, make living if necessary, exercise if they can, keep themselves healthy, keep their muscles strong. There is an age, somewhere middle age, let's say late 60s, early 70s, where just maintaining your muscle mass becomes a challenge. And if you become less active because your knees hurt, the muscle will will disappear and to build it back up after surgery is not easy. So the more active we can keep people, and my belief, it's my belief that we do them a favor, they will do better. And when it comes time to surgery, everybody knows, the doctor knows, the patient knows, the family knows, and there really was no other choice. Mind you asked, how long does it take once you decide before the surgery can be done? That's about eight months these days. So it's my job and the job of people like me to keep an eye on things and try and decide the right time to put an individual on the wait list. And then hopefully that all matches up and things are managed appropriately. Once the knee has been done, you can expect the current modern knee to last for most of them well over 20 years. The stats are that at 10 years, around 95% of them are still very good. By 15 years, it's about 85%. By 20 years, it's about 80%. And the ones that that fall off, they usually get redone. And most of the time, the redo gives a good result too, although the risks are a little bit higher and the results are not quite as good. So um, we used to be really concerned about age. And people were told until about 20 years ago, that they shouldn't have the knee replacement done until they were about 70. We no longer think that way. You get your knee now regardless of knee replacement, regardless of age, if you need it and when you need it. Wow. That was a fantastic answer. And I think I 
I have all the questions that I wanted to ask you and I want to thank you for taking time. If people wanted to read more stuff about all this, do you have a recommendation for people who would like to know more about all these surgeries? Can they, uh, do you have a website where they can go? You can, yeah, I do have a website that has some of that information. Uh, it's called um, WROSC, White Rock Orthopedic Surgery Center, dot com. Um, and they can certainly look at that, but there's many, many resources to the Arthritis Society um, and, and multiple other organizations. So I think just to go on, on Google and look for osteoarthritis of the knee, modern treatment options, you will find more than you can handle. If people have any questions, of course, all of us in, in the book that I do, we're always willing to answer questions. It's really not a problem. Thank you ever so much for taking time and talking to us. Well, thank you so much for the invitation and hope to see you soon.